My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Outward Church, and I'm glad that you've come here this morning uh, to Outward. Um, we're starting a new series today called uh, 1 Corinthians. I know it's a very sexy uh, uh, title there, but um, we really just wanted to communicate the Word of God. We want to communicate that we're, we're going to be walking through this book of the Bible, and it's, it's called 1 Corinthians. And so we think it's important that you know it. Um, because it's, it's, it's very key in the life uh, of people. Um, Paul is speaking to a church that's kind of a, a metropolitan city. I mean, it's, there's uh, you know, people coming through there, trading, selling, buying, uh, all kinds of things. But with that, with population, comes um, a lot of other stuff, a lot of other things, a lot of other religions uh, that can infiltrate into the church. There's a lot of uh, sexual uh, immorality. There's a lot of uh, drunkenness. There's a lot of crazy things that are going on in this city. And then as a result, what's happening is that this church in many ways, is kind of a jacked-up church. This church is kind of integrating with a lot of these things that are happening in this, in this city. And so what's taking place is that Paul is now uh, uh, calling back to this church that he planted, and he's saying, hey, wait a minute. And it's a little bit like uh, a performance review. I don't know if you've ever had a performance review. And, uh, you know, if you walk into a performance review and your boss says, so how do you feel like it's going? That's, that's normally a, a, a clue that things are not going to go well in your per performance review. And as a result, uh, Paul, in a sense, is kind of doing a performance review. He's, he's uh, talking to this church in Corinth, and he's, he's going to tell them some things, some ways that they should be living, and, uh, and as a result, correct some things that have been going on. And, and so the question is, how are we with correction? How are we with being corrected in the midst of, in the midst of our, our life? Um, number one, do we, do we enjoy correction? Do we receive it? Do we, do we like it? See, Christian people are people who have uh, humility that's been brought on their lives uh, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which says, I cannot save myself. I'm not good enough to do so. Jesus had to die for me. I was so bad that Jesus had to die for me. And as a result, um, I get to live a new life. And so a Christian at the very heart of that person should have a heart of humility. But too often, uh, if you're here and you're not a Christian or you don't claim to be one, or maybe you're listening on the podcast and you're like, yeah, there's a lot of Christians I know that are not humble people. In fact, they're pointing their finger at me saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And here you are, you're about to talk about this book of the Bible that's going to tell me I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. But here's the thing. Uh, Paul starts out with the, the best place possible for all of us. And I really want you to get this because our church is foundationally built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing that you'd say, okay, what is this church about? This church is about the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the word of God. And, but too often, so many of us don't really get it. We think that we get it. We think that we understand it. We think, okay, Jesus died for me, and now I better do something for him. But that's not really what, the way that it goes. The way that it goes is another direction, and that is that God comes and he saves us through Jesus. And as a result, when we understand that, like, he's not leaving me. It doesn't matter what I do. Like, he's not leaving me. Like, he's not going. 
I mean, I don't know if you've been to that place in your marriage. You're like, are, are you, are you mar- if you are married, I'm looking at a bunch of uh, college students over here. Maybe I'll look over here, okay. Um, <laughs> one day you'll see what I'm talking about. But um, like if you're married and like you get to this point where you, where you just kind of realize, like, man, this person isn't leaving me. And maybe you're just like, man, did it take you a while to get to that point? No, not really. But what it does is like you get, you get this assurance that, man, we're together. We're in this together and she's not leaving me, or he's not leaving me. And there's this security that makes the relationship so much better. Or, say, like when you're dating, and uh, you, you, uh, if you're dating someone, and you get to this point where you're like, you know each other, you know each other's faults. You know, each other, you know what's going on, and, and, and you're like, man, I've, I feel like this is heading towards marriage. I feel like this is heading in the right direction, and that person isn't walking away from me. Or maybe it's just friendship, and it's just like, man, they know all of my junk. They know every bit of, of everything that I've done. They've know, they know the crud that I've been through. They know all of my problems. They, they know how irritating I can be in this situation or that situation or all the time. And they just accept me right where I'm at. And they're, and they're just with me. See, that's God. That's God. And what Paul wants to say, he's, he's, about, to, he's about to give him a spanking. You know, I don't know if your parents ever said, this, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And, it, yeah, you know, if, if, if my mom said that to me, I can't remember if she did or not. But I would be thinking, like... You know, how could that possibly be true? How could that possibly be true? You're about to hit me. I'm the one about to be hit, you know. But Paul, in a sense, is like a loving parent, and he's saying this. He's saying, I, I want you to know the truth. I want you to know what's going on. I want you to see what's actually going on here. And so he begins. Let me just read through uh, what I plan to cover today, and um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll start there. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And by the way, we have a thing called the Bible app. And apparently that's an app on your phone. You can find it. And our church is on there, and it'll show you the scripture that we're, uh, that we're reading through. So you can do that if you want. First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, it says this. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. I'm not sure if Sosthenes' parents didn't like him uh, very much or what, what have, have you, but he, that is not a, it's not a very cool name. Uh, but in any case, Sosthenes, I think, is, is probably a scribe. He's a guy who was writing for Paul while Paul was dictating, but he's, uh, he's sitting here writing this. And so Paul is saying, this is from me by the will of God. And, and, and by the way, Sosthenes is right here as well. So verse 2 says this, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to stop right there and I want to give uh, some context as to what he's saying. First of all, he's, he's saying this. He's saying, I'm talking to some church people. I'm talking to some people that claim to be of the church of God and that are in this, in, in this city uh, called Corinth. But here's what we know. It's to us as well. This is speaking to us as well because it is the scriptures. And so he's speaking to us. And he says, that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, I just want to stop right there and, and say this. This idea of he's saying those people who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Like 
the, the reason why they're sanctified or the reason why they're holy, the reason why they're really seen as good is because they've been sanctified in Christ Jesus. And so what does that mean? It means this. It means that you and I don't have sanctification. We can't get goodness outside of being in Christ Jesus. We can't get it. It's not available to us. Look at the next part that, says right, uh, that it says right here in Christ Jesus called to be saints together. Let me stop right there. He says called to be saints. So not only are you sanctified, but he's saying like there is a title that belongs over your life. Like if you're a part of the church that is in Corinth, that is in Salem, like if you're a part of that, then you, by definition, are called to be a saint. Now Mother Teresa, if you know who she is, she uh, it has been, um, I, I, she's up for sainthood. And so they're, they're about to cause her to be a saint or at least have the title of saint. But here's the thing. That's not something that just comes to her. That's not something that just comes to, to her and what she has done in her life. That is something that comes to every professing believer in Jesus Christ. That is something that comes to you. And you say, you say wait a minute, man, I've, I've got junk. I've got stuff. I've got crud that's in the way, stuff that's like uh, all over the place. And Paul is saying, I'm saying to you, knowing all of the things that I'm about to confront you with, knowing about all of the infighting and all of the problems that are taking place, I'm coming to you and I'm telling you that you are sanctified, you're called to be saints, you are in Christ Jesus, and there's nothing that can take that away, there's nothing that can change that. In fact, he goes even deeper into it. He says, with all those who in every place Call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, why did he say that? He says this. Like, you're not some crazy sect. You're not some crazy cult. You're not a part of something wacky. He's saying this. He's saying, everybody who claims the name of Jesus Christ and who is a saint, both their Lord and ours, we're all in the same thing. And in part, one of the things that he's saying is this. He's saying... We have a spiritual bond with everybody who calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ and calls upon the name of the Lord who claims to be a believer of Jesus Christ and trusts him as their Savior. And the commonality is this, is that we are under the same umbrella. We are all saints together under Jesus Christ, and it is in and through him. Now, this is incredibly important because of this. You might have come to church this morning. You might have said, you know, I, I just want to get my stuff together. Like, I just, I want to get things cleaned up. Man, my, my porn issue is overtaking my life. Or my, my uh, other issues in my life, my lying, my cheating, my stealing. My attitude stinks all the time. And I just want to get things right. I just want to, I want to treat my kids better. I want to get my kids back. I want, I, I want to do better in life. I want to be able to, you know, have a relationship with my wife or with my husband that works. And I just kind of keep jacking it up. Well, here's the thing is that Christianity is not for the purpose of cleaning you up. 
Christianity is for the purpose of this. It's from saving you from yourself and your own efforts to save yourself. What Paul is saying to you and to me right now is he's saying this, like you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. It's got to only come through Jesus Christ. And when you come to him, you are a saint. That is your title. You don't need to be Mother Teresa. You have that title because of Jesus. And I would just say this to those that have been waiting. You, you've been waiting in the, in the wings. You've been saying, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm ready to do this. I don't know if I'm ready to make those changes. You know what? Jesus is the one who's already made the change. You don't need to wait anymore. You don't need to wait until you're ready. Jesus is ready for you. He says, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a greeting. It's important. He's saying grace to you. Like this is a kind letter. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. So the one thing that the Apostle Paul is, is actually really excited about in their life is he says, I'm, I'm giving thanks because, to God because how the grace of God has been seen in your life. And again, this is incredibly important because what Paul is about to say is he's saying, you people are fighting like way too much. Like stop it. Like it's just got to stop. But, he's, but he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm thankful for what God has done in your life. I'm thankful for what he's doing. Now, I just want you to think about the most irritating person in uh, this room or in your life. Like, point your finger at them right now. No, don't do that. Um, think about them for a second. And just think for a second. Like, could you look at them and say, I want to thank God because of the grace that he has given you that he's implanted in your life. I want to thank God. You say, well, they're not a Christian, so they don't have God's grace. They have God's grace. They have common grace. God has given them skills and abilities to maybe help you or, or serve you or to serve the community or to be your friend. But Paul says, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And in some ways, he's saying this. He's saying, listen, in spite of the rest of this letter that's all going to talk about how things are kind of jacked up in Corinth, I want you to know that I'm thankful for what God has done in your life. And I want you to see the positivity in that. I want you to see the, the relational value of that. That like within the context of the church and with the, within the context of your friends and with the context of, within the context of your work environment... That there are opportunities for you to say, God's grace is coming uh, to me through this person in some way or another. Maybe their irritating habits and the things that they're doing are allowing me to experience the patience that I need in life. That God has decided that I need in my life and I need to experience this. And so God is bringing that to me through this person. So Paul's saying, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God has done in your life. And then he says this, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. He says, I, I remember 
and I was there, and I was with you, that in every way you were enriched. Like you were made rich, you were made wealthy, because God came in, and I saw a marked change in your life. Now think about this for a second. Like if, if you're somebody who's a Christian, like you have the title of saint. You're somebody who is a, a saint. Maybe you still do wrong things, but God looks at you and he sees a saint sanctified in him. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying that I saw changes in your life. I saw that in all speech, in all knowledge, you were enriched in him. There was something about you that changed. There was something about your life that changed. Do you know this? Then when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ and really God is the one who has been gracious to them and shown himself to them, when somebody gives their life uh, to Jesus, when God saves somebody, do you know what takes place? That life changes for them. Life changes for them. Their, their speech, the things that they know, the way that they talk, it changes. And Paul says, I saw a marked difference in that church and in those people who came to faith because they, they were walking differently. They were talking differently. And so here they were. Like, here's this worldly city. Paul goes in. He shares the gospel. People come uh, to faith. And their lives begin to change. And he says, I saw the changes that were taking place in their lives. Let me ask you this. Are you somebody who has change in your life? Don't, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never walk away from you. But here's the thing, that it's possible to be in a place of being somebody who claims the name of Jesus Christ and yet gives no care to how they're living or how they're acting. And Paul says, that's, that's false. That's false. I saw changes in your life. And essentially he's saying, I, I believe it's possible in the future. Even, verse 6, as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So he's saying, not only did I see it, but like the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything about his life, it was confirmed among you. You received it as true. Some of you are here and you're saying, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether I believe this and whether it's true. Some of you who are actually in Christian college right now, even, could be in this place where you're saying, I know I'm in a Christian college, I know I'm in this environment, but I'm still in a place where I'm like, I'm not sure that I believe this. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm buying everything that's being said here. But Paul is saying, he's saying, I, I saw this in your speech, I saw this in your action, but he's saying, I uh, saw that the testimony about Christ, like you believed the gospel. And like that truth was confirmed in your life. Verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying like there is every possibility in your life to operate with the power of the Spirit of God in your life and to move and to live within God's Spirit and, and use uh, the gifts of God, the gifts that God has given you for his purposes. You have every ability to do that. You have every ability to do that. You and you and you and you 
have every ability to do that. And you say, I'm just not strong enough. I'm just not there. I'm just not there. Well, guess what? The Corinthians, the church in Corinth, probably was in a very similar place. And, and Paul is saying, as a loving father, saying, I, I know that I'm about to discipline you, but I want you to know you have every ability. I've seen it confirmed in your life. And I can see that you can walk with him. And I, and I can see that you can use your gifts for his glory. And then he says this, and this is the part that I think really gets me. Verse 8. Who will sustain you to the end? Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go through that backwards. What is the, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? That refers to the day, the big day that Jesus returns. And he gathers all of those who know him to himself. That refers to the day. That refers to the day that you want to be on Jesus' side. That refers to the day and it's a really important day. It's a really, really important day. And, he's, and he's, say, he's saying this. So he says, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a really important day. Guiltless. Now, why is that important? Because on that day, you want to be standing guiltless before Jesus Christ. On that day, especially, you want to be standing before him guiltless. I don't know if you, you've ever been caught before. Like when I was uh, probably 12 years old and I was stealing hubcaps. Yep, yep. What are you going to do with hubcaps when you're 12 years old? I have no idea. But here I am. I'm, I'm stealing hubcaps with my friends. My brothers were doing it. It's their fault. And uh, so I'm, I, I uh, have gone and I've stolen some hubcaps. And then we hid them in the bushes and never saw them again. But now I've got dirt on my shirt because you've been touching someone's wheels. And you've gone like this. And I'm walking down the highway. This is down in South Florida. I'm walking down the highway. And whoop, whoop, little cop car pulls up in front of us. Like, what are you guys doing? I was not standing there guiltless because my sin was all over my shirt, right? <laughs> Why do you got dirt all over your shirt? I don't know. I'm standing there, and I'm going, it's that feeling of like, I'm just about to be busted. It's like when I got a ticket the other day driving. It's all, all has to do with law enforcement with me, all right? So <laughs> I, I, uh, I was like, I'm driving. I don't even know if I've told you this story, but I was driving down uh, Highway 84, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, man, the speed limit just got up to like 70. I'm like, this is awesome. It's doing really great. I start looking for the exit, and I'm just like, man, we are making great time. I look down, and I'm like, 90 miles an hour I'm going. I'm like, holy cow, I better let off. The, the fuel a little bit, and then uh, I get up to the exit and whoop, whoop, get pulled over, and I'm just like, oh, man, I've had a ticket in like at least a month, and so, I mean, this, I, I'm, I'm kidding, it was like 10 years, so maybe it was five, I, I don't remember, but, and anyway, so I, I, I get this ticket, and he knocks it down a little bit, so, but it's that, it's that feeling of like, I'm about to get busted, I'm about to get busted, man, it, the day of the Lord, 
like standing there is that's not a great time to say, I did not have any way of making up for my sin. I had no way to make up for it. Because my sin and your sin, is, it, it is a snowball. And it keeps rolling and it keeps rolling and it's rolling with us in our life. And my sin and your sin and our sin is something that is just perpetually following us through life. And it is the thing that's just going to bowl us over on the day of the Lord. And what Paul is saying is he's, he's saying this, like you're going to be guiltless in the day of the Lord because of this. He is going to be the one who sustains you. He says, so that you are, verse 7, so that you are not lacking any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless. Like, this is the offer that God has for us. Like, this is the beauty of the gospel. And like, Paul's saying, like, he is going to sustain you to the end. And you're going to be guiltless on the day of the Lord. You're going to be standing there. There's no dirt on your shirt. There's no speed limit that you've broken that hasn't been paid for already. Because Jesus gives you a new shirt and maybe a radar detector. I don't know, but Jesus gives you his clothes. He is the one who sustains you to the end. Now, why is that important? Because many of you think to yourself, like, somehow I just want morality. And, I, and, I, and I'm not too sure about this gospel stuff. Like, that's just kind of the, the teaching of this. But no, that's it. That's the thing. That's the thing, because morality only gives you an awareness of the fact that you're screwed up and that I'm screwed up. Or you miss the fact that you're screwed up and you just get prideful because you're so good at being moral that now your sin is really internal and now there's incredible arrogance and pride. You've seen religious people like this looking down their nose at people. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, thanks. That's an incredible sin. But Jesus says, what Paul is saying to us is he's saying that you could be standing guiltless in front of the Son of God. And you could be standing there and he's the one that's going to sustain you to that point. There's no work. There's no work that you can do that's going to save you on that day. It's all got to come from Jesus Christ when he was on his cross, there's nothing you can do. Now, this is the, the next piece that I love, that I love. Let's just go from a moral standpoint here real quick. So, get your stuff together, guys. Because... <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. Have you seen this bumper sticker? And boy, is she ticked, right? Get your stuff together because God is coming back. And no. Get your stuff together uh, and be faithful. And be faithful. Because you better, you better be faithful. Because otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. No, that's not what Paul says. Paul starts off 
one of the biggest letters in the Bible that's to a bunch of sinners, a bunch of sinful people like me and you. And he says that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. It did not come from you. It came from Jesus. You have the ability to stand guiltless by the one who's going to sustain you on the day of the Lord. And why is all this going to take place? Because of this. God is faithful. God is faithful. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because God's faithfulness stands over and above my faithlessness. In spite of all my efforts to jack up my life, God is faithful to keep my life together and to sustain me guiltless on that day. Yeah, but wait a minute. I'm, I, I keep breaking the rules. I keep jacking it up. I keep causing problems in my life and in the life of people around me. And there's devastation around me. I've hurt people. I've hurt my kids. I've hurt uh, my coworkers. I've done wrong things. And, and Paul is saying this. He's saying, but that's your faithfulness. Now, there's a place for faithfulness. Don't get me wrong. But let, it doesn't start with your faithfulness. It starts with God's faithfulness to you. It starts with God's faithfulness to you when, he's, when he says, like, you can stand guiltless before the Father. There's no dirt on your shirt. There's nothing wrong. And it's not because you got it together. You said, okay, Jesus, come into my life, and now it's all up to me, and I'm just going yeah, to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And he says, no, that's not going to happen because you white-knuckled it and you made it happen. The reason why that's going to happen in your life is because God is faithful. Not because of your faithfulness. And if you miss that, you're missing the gospel. Because the gospel is meant to bring about love for your father. Your true father. The gospel is meant to change your heart like a relationship. It says this, you know, you're, not, you're really not leaving me, are you? You know, uh, we've been through addiction together. And you're not leaving me, are you? I've wronged you so many times and you're not leaving me? Like, like there's nothing that I can do to make you leave me. No. No. Your marriage is better. Your relationships are better. Everything is more secure in life. And it's only a small picture of the reality of God found in the gospel. The Apostle Paul says this in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 where he's talking about marriage marriage and, uh, between the husband and the wife. It's a picture of Jesus in his church. And he goes back and forth. He's mixing the metaphors. And, he's, and it's, it's, it's almost confusing because he's like, it's just so close. It's so crazy. It's so weird. It's, it's like, this is how it's supposed to be, but this is how it is with Jesus. But that's the relationship with God is that he's a, he's a spouse that never leaves. He's the one that never walks away. In spite of his faithless wife, the church, he's the one who's faithful. He sustains you, guiltless to the end. 
by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the God that you and I serve. This is the God that loves us. This is the God that is going to bring about some stuff in our life. And he's going to say, hey, what about that? What about that area of your life that you will not let anybody into? Or what about this arrogance in your life and this pride in your life that says that somehow you've got it together and other people don't? What about that in your life? And what about this idea that you can be a law unto yourself and that you can make decisions for yourself and that the scriptures, ah, whatever. What about that? What, hey, my son, my daughter, look at this in your life. Let's look at this together. I am the father who doesn't leave you. I am the one who's in relationship with you. And I do not walk away from my kids, from my bride. I do not. Let's talk about this. The question is, will you listen or will you not? Will you say, I'm, whatever, I'm, I'm for church light. Pastor, I didn't get into this to, <laughs> to be confronted with stuff. I was looking for a self-help group, okay? There are TED Talks on Netflix. You should go listen to them, right? This is not a TED Talk. This is from the Word of God, and it's going to be different. And so here's my challenge to you. Come back for eight weeks. Why, 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 would, I, why would I say that? Because too many of you, you decide to turn over a new leaf uh, in September and in January. You start strong and you end weak. And what I want to encourage you to do is this. Change your habits. See your life change by sitting under the word of God being preached in your life and see what takes place. Make a commitment to be at church every Sunday get connected to uh, community, make a decision to do it for eight weeks and walk with us and bring some friends while you're at it because I believe God has got some immense and, and incredible stuff for us. Let's pray. <clears throat> so Lord Jesus, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for those that are still in unbelief and, and just not sure where, where to go with this. And Lord, I, I pray that, um, that you, by the power of your spirit, would allow them uh, to, to trust you, Lord, that you'd call them to yourself, Lord, that you would do an amazing work in their life. Lord, for those that are here this morning and are having trouble with this idea of I don't have to do anything to earn the grace and the goodness of God in my life, Lord, I pray that they'd be overwhelmed by your gospel, that they'd understand it in its fullness. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that this church uh, in Salem, Outward Church, this local body, would see itself as a church that's a part of a larger local body that is all under you as our senior pastor, Jesus. And Lord, that we'd understand that you are the one who is in charge, that you're the one who's leading us, you're the one who's guiding us. Lord, we have many friends and many people who all submit to the same God. Lord, may, uh, may we do that. May we see your goodness. Lord, would you bring about powerful change in our lives. May our city see not that we're these perfect people at all, but Lord, that they would see that, we, that there's a humility that's grown in us as we're aware of our sin, 
how you've loved us even in through that. And Lord, that we'd also see changes. We're able to let those things go. Lord, I pray for that. I pray for that in, in our lives. Lord, I pray for uh, the folks in here who are struggling with all different types of sins and problems and issues. And Lord, I, I just, I want to ask that they'd sense your love. And Lord, that they'd be overwhelmed by your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, that right now in this moment, that they would sense how much you love them. Lord, that they'd see that expression of your love on the cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.